Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to be back in the sanctuary. We've been out there so many weeks. I was getting used to being out there, and I was looking forward today to having my mic that attaches to my jacket, so I didn't have to hold the mic, but that's not happening today. It's broken. So be holding a mic one more week. Um, and I want to thank those of you who came out yesterday for the church work day who worked on the yard. You'll notice the weeds are already back. Tall. Um, that's the joy of spring. Things are things are at work growing. Weeds are growing wildly. Um, I have in my notes to dismiss the children, but I notice there are no children in here, so they must have already snuck out. Also, an announcement: we met the the goal for the roof. We actually exceeded it by I think ten dollars. So that is exciting. We will be able to put a new roof on the parsonage, so there'll be no more little stains on the ceilings. I know my kids are excited about that. They saw the, the thermometer out there, and they're like, yay, no more coffee stains on the ceiling. <laughs> so, but also, last announcement, next week we will be having a potluck in celebration of Michelle, who's right over here. If you don't know, if you haven't heard, she received her first district license this year, and so she's officially a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene, and so we want to celebrate her next week with a potluck. And a card, a card for Michelle, because we're celebrating her today, or next week, um, and today. But if you don't know already, today is Mother's Day, so if you haven't had a chance, be sure to wish someone a happy Mother's Day. But I'm also reminded that today can be a complicated day. I've heard, I've heard it said that Mother's Day is one of the, the days where a lot of people come to church. It seems like there's a lot of visitors, a lot of people come to show support for their moms, but it's also a day that can be complicated. It's a day that can be full of pain. Not everyone here is a mother, and not everyone has a mother. I was reminded recently, my, the first sermon I ever preached in a church setting was on Mother's Day, and I was reminded of that recently. And for that sermon, I intentionally didn't talk about Mother's Day. I just stuck with the scripture that was assigned to me because I knew that Mother's Day is complicated. It can be painful. And I knew that there were some people in the congregation at that church that found Mother's Day to be especially painful. And I knew this because I had friends, personal friends, who would tell me that they didn't go to church on Mother's Day because they found it to be so painful. And so I just want to acknowledge that in case there is somebody here today that finds Mother's Day to be painful. And this past week, I came across a prayer that I wanted to share with you all. It was originally written by Amy Young and adapted by Heidi Harrington Heath. And it goes like this. It says, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If you are like Tamar, struggling with infertility or a miscarriage, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If you are like Rachel, counting the women among your family and friends who year by year and month by month get pregnant while you wait, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If you are like Naomi and have known the sting of child's death, I want you to know that I'm praying for you if you are like Joseph and Benjamin and your mom has died. I want you to know that I'm praying for you if your relationship with your mom was marked by trauma, abuse, or abandonment, or she couldn't parent you the way you needed. I want you to know that I'm praying for you if you've been like Moses' mother and put a child up for adoption, trusting another family to love your child into adulthood. 
I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If, you like, if you're like Pharaoh's daughter, called to love a child who is not yours by birth, and also the mother who brought that child into life, even if it is complicated. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If you, like many, are watching or have watched your mother age and disappear into the long goodbye of dementia, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If you, like Mary, are pregnant for the very first time and waiting breathlessly for the miracle of your first child, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If your children have turned away from you, painfully closing the door on relationship, leaving you holding, holding your broken heart in your hands, and like Hagar, now you are mothering alone. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. If motherhood is your greatest joy and your toughest struggle, all rolled into one. I want you to know that I'm praying for you if you're watching your child battle substance abuse, a public legal situation, I want you to know that I'm praying for you if your child's struggling with mental illness or another situation which you can merely only watch unfold. I want you to know that I'm praying for you if you, like so many women before you, do not wish to be a mother, are not married, or in so many other ways do not fit into the societal norms. I want you to know that I'm praying for you if you see yourself reflected in all or none of these stories. This Mother's Day, where Ever or whoever you are, we walk with you. You are loved, you are seen, you are worthy. And may you know the deep love without end of our big, wild, beautiful God, who is the very best example of a parent that we know. Amen. So whether today is filled with goodness or pain, I want you to know that I am praying for you. I was reading these words of somebody else, but I mean that in my heart that I'm praying for you all, whatever your situation, whether you're a mother by choice or by biology or not a mother at all. Some of the best mothers I know don't even have children of their own, but they nurture and care for those around them. Some of you may know, because I shared this recently on Facebook, that my maternal grandmother died 62 years ago. She died in a car accident when my mother was only 18 months old. She had multiple broken bones and a ruptured spleen, and the doctors say that it had to do with the way she was turned in the car. They were driving to a friend's house for dinner when the car hit a patch of ice, and it was early spring, I believe it was April, and my grandma, she was holding my mom in her lap, her little 18-month-old child, and they say that she turned to guard my mom and her brother that was sitting right next to her. So she saved my mom's life in that car accident, but because of that car accident, my mom grew up without a mother. I share that story to say that life's not fair sometimes. We suffer loss and things aren't the way that they should be. But I'm reminded that we have hope in Christ today. Today, we're gonna to continue reading in John 14. If you were here last week, we read the first 14 verses of this chapter. And so today we're gonna to begin in verse 15. This is a continuation of a three-chapter, a three-chapter-long farewell from Jesus to, to his disciples, and he wants them to know that it will all be okay. So this week we're picking up where we left off in John 14, 15 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord today. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you 
and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this passage of scripture, Jesus, he's getting ready to leave his disciples. This is his final farewell before he's arrested and crucified. It's a continuation from last week if you were here. And Jesus, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. There are a lot of commandments in the Bible. If you've read it, you might know some of them. So how do we know which one? It can be overwhelming and it can be hard to remember all of them. But there's one commandment in the Bible that stands out to me. Just one chapter earlier in John 13, John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, a new command I give you. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is an important command, and in Matthew, Jesus says that love is the greatest command. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and prophets hang on these two commandments. When Jesus says to keep my commandments, he's telling you to love one another. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you will love your neighbor. People will know you are Christ's disciples by your love for one another. Even the Ten Commandments in Exodus, if you look at all Ten Commandments, you'll notice that they all fall under these two laws of loving God and loving others. They all fall under those two laws. And so if you can't remember any other commandment in the Bible, remember this, to love God and love others. Jesus says that if you do these two things, he will never leave you or forsake you. He will not leave you as orphans. Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples in this passage, and I think they don't understand or they don't know where he's going. They don't understand the events that are about to unfold. But Jesus knows that the events that are about to happen are going to shock them, it's going to trouble them, it's going to confuse them. They're going to feel abandoned, they're going to feel alone, and Jesus knows this, and so he tells them, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And I think that's a promise for us here today, too, is that Jesus will not leave us as orphans. That's a great hope for those of us with loss, for those of us who lost parents and grandparents. For those of us with lost relationships, lost children, if you've experienced abandonment in your life, Jesus wants you to know that he will not abandon you. Jesus promises to not leave us as orphans. There's a lot of scriptural references in the Bible to being children of God. In Romans 8, 14 through 18, it says that for those who are led by the Spirit of God, 
They are children of God. The spirit you received brought you your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, we are also his heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are God's children and we are his heirs. There's a passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, that says, Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. In other words, God loved us, and God chose us, and God decided in advance to adopt us. This is what he wanted to do. So you are chosen by God. You are all loved by God. God chose you, God loved you, and God wants to adopt you. If you know Christ, you are a child of God. And Jesus' promise to you is that he will not leave you as orphans. And so what does it mean that Jesus will not leave you as orphans? We all know that there are orphans in the world, even among Christ's followers, there are orphans. So being a Christian doesn't exempt us from pain or loss. But did you know that the scripture has a lot to say about orphans? In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, there's an abundance of scripture that talk about how to treat those who are orphans. The orphan, the widow, and the stranger, these are three protected groups in scripture all throughout the Old Testament law. The Bible says over and over again about how we're not to mistreat or oppress or take advantage of them. Deuteronomy 10.18 says that God defends the cause of the orphan and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. God cares for the orphan, and he calls the church to care for them, too. This is important. The early church was one of the first groups to care for the orphan. They were the first, some of the first groups to start orphanages. In those days, people would often leave their babies out to die. If a baby had a disability or a defect, or for whatever reason, sometimes maybe it was they had too many females, they would leave children out to die. And if a child didn't have a parent, they were often left to fend for themselves. And it was Christians who came in and started orphanages so that these children were not left as orphans. They were no longer orphans because they became a part of the Christian community and the Christian community cared for them. And so when Christ says that he will not leave us as orphans, he means it in this literal sense that he will not leave you alone. He will not leave you without someone to nurture and care for you. This passage is the first mention also of the coming Holy Spirit. He says you will not be alone because of Christ is sending you an advocate, the Holy Spirit. But you know, there are some great saints of the church who've often struggled with with loneliness, with wondering where God is in situations, sad situations. There are some great saints of the world that struggle with this. And I was reminded, it's well documented in her journals that Mother Teresa struggled with doubt. She struggled with feeling the presence of God. Had Christ left her alone? Was she left alone because she didn't feel Christ's presence? No, because feelings aren't always facts. We've talked about this before. In my own life, I've struggled with seasons where I couldn't feel 
couldn't feel Christ, but that doesn't mean that he's not there. That doesn't mean that I have been left alone. I came across a quote a couple years ago, and I was reminded of it recently. It was from an interview with Brene Brown where she talked about her return to church. And in this interview, she said, she said, I went to church thinking that it would be like an epidural, that it would take the pain away. But church, it isn't like an epidural. It's like a midwife. I thought faith would say, I'll take away the pain and discomfort. But what it ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. In other words, the church doesn't take away your pain. The church doesn't take away the bad things that happen in, the, in this world, but the church can sit with you in it. We're called to love one another. We're called to care for one another. We're called to be the hands and feet of Christ. And so in this life, you will face trials and loss. You'll face pain and sorrow, but God has not abandoned you. Christ has sent the Holy Spirit to you. He sent the Holy Spirit to you. But he also sent the Holy Spirit to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so sometimes when we feel alone, we just have to look next to us, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they are there for you. They sit with you, and they care for you, and they nurture you. We are called to care for one another. We're called to stand in that gap. Today's scripture reading, it begins and it ends with love. John 14, 15 begins with Jesus stating that those who love him will keep his commandments. And the commandment is to love God and love others. They will know you are his disciples by your love for one another. And Jesus, he leaves his disciples with this promise. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Whoever keeps my commands is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show them to myself. So if you love Jesus, you will love one another. We can be Christ to our neighbor. So when someone is experiencing loss or loneliness, we can be Christ to them. When someone is orphaned, we can be Christ to them. When someone is widowed, we can be Christ to them. When someone is a stranger, we can be Christ to them. The Spirit of God empowers us to show love to one another. Today, the children are going to do a little presentation, and I see them out there. They can, the children can come in and come forward. And I'm going to pass the microphone on to Vieta for this part, because I don't know much about what is about to happen. I do know some, but... Yeah. 